Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture, and thank you for joining us. We're ready to go. Another busy day. We have lots to talk about. Markets going wild. We'll talk with Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst, about that. Um, We'll talk infrastructure, including a proposed rail merger with Mike Steenhook, executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Our planting update will come from the boot heel of Missouri today. Dexter, Missouri, that's where we'll find Charlie Cruz. We'll find out how planting is going there. All that coming up on today's program. But let's, uh, let's check in with Todd Neely at DTN about the news. And, Todd, there's a lot of it, that's for sure, including a big big Supreme Court hearing today on the RFS. Yeah, Mike, you know, it, uh, it really doesn't get any bigger than this. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of a lot of problems over the past several years on the RFS when it comes to small refinery exemptions. Uh, and now there's a case today that I think um, probably it's something that EPA has been waiting on because, you know, they have a number of pending exemptions still out there uh, for a couple of years that they haven't ruled on. And so, I think they're waiting to see what happens with this case. You know, today uh, all sides will will argue it out, and I do think that uh, we're going to get some sense from the Supreme Court today what they really believe about it. You know, a lot of people were uh, kind of questioning why the court even accepted this case because it's it's a rare instance when that happens. But uh, we'll see, and I think uh, the you know the results of this is really going to go quite a ways in, in really determining where things go. Yeah, we may finally, not today, but soon, because of today's hearing, yeah. get some clarity on this issue. And as you said, I think the biofuels industry, while looking forward to maybe finally getting this put to rest, has to be a little bit nervous just the fact that the Supreme Court is hearing it and makes you wonder. I mean, the biofuels industry feels very strongly the facts are on their side, the law is on their side, but just the fact that the Supreme Court is taking it up has to give you a little pause here and make you uh, a little concerned if you're on the biofuel side about what the outcome will be. Yeah, and certainly, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, when you look at this case, um, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but when you look at the way that the program was set up, it really seems quite clear in the, you know, in the text of the, of the law, uh, you know, what's required to receive exemptions from the RFS. And, um, yeah, I, I would be nervous because you're right. There's, you know, the, the, case, the court gets thousands of requests every year to hear, uh, to hear arguments, and they generally select only about 80 of those cases. Uh, just the mere fact that the court took this on is interesting, although it's really it really might come down to one word in the entire law, and that's extension, you know, what that exactly means. And maybe the court's interested in, in you know, uttering an opinion on this. And I, and I think, uh, yeah, if, if, you're, if you're with the biofuels industry, this one definitely has to make you a bit nervous. So we'll see what happens and watch that closely. Meanwhile, something I know you've been watching closely, uh, this is this is not news to farmers who are paying these prices. Uh, you know, all the attention's on the higher market prices. That's, that's certainly good news for farmers. But on the other side, their input costs are certainly going up as well. Yeah, Mike, and you're right. Every time we see a rise in commodity prices, this generally follows suit that uh, you know, the inputs involved in, in growing those crops will go up. And we've seen that, you know, in particular with fertilizer. 
uh, it's just been on a terror here in the past six months or so. It keeps going up and up and up. Um, you know, and, it, and it's interesting because we don't really know what these commodity prices, you know, what they're going to be doing. It's, is it going to stay this high or not? And I think, um, you know, there's some idea out there that this maybe might go on for a little while. But, you know, if we hit the bottom again on corn and soybeans, uh, you know, and we've got these input prices where they are now, it's, it's really going to be kind of interesting to see you know, what decisions farmers are going to make in terms of locking in prices and all those things that they have to do from year to year. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of an interesting time. You know, we haven't seen this since uh, the middle of the biofuels boom. Which, uh, you look back, here's what usually happens when you're in one of these situations. Commodity prices going up, input costs going up. When those commodity prices pull back, which eventually they will, of course, seems like yeah. those input costs uh they're they're slower to come back it, and sometimes farmers <laughs> didn't really get caught in that uh, in that squeeze yeah it's very true you know that that's the thing i think that really a lot of people weren't expecting you know when we had those days of you know eight dollar corn at one point um you know the inputs you're right they do they take a very long time to react for whatever reason um and hopefully this time maybe farmers are you know they've kind of caught on to some of that and maybe um, you know, there's a lot of discussion going on about how you prepare for that kind of a kind of a change. You mentioned the uh, the ethanol explosion we had a, a, a few years ago, where everything just took off. We're kind of seeing that now with renewable diesel and uh, for soybean oil, and creating a huge demand. and And this could be very similar to what we saw with ethanol back then. Yeah, I think so, Mike. You know, we saw an announcement right here in Nebraska, Central Nebraska, of a of a Cargill and and a and another company, it was uh, the Love's, uh, you know, convenience store chain. They they had announced they're building a renewable diesel plant in Hastings, um, you know, which is a big deal. Hastings is a town of about thirty thousand, rough roughly, um, and it's going to create up to like five hundred jobs. And so there's real opportunity in it. And it's one of these things that's, you know, it's kind of been out there for a number of years. A lot of things going on behind the scenes, but there's something about this current market and this current political situation that. Uh, apparently companies are seeing quite a benefit from uh, going forward with these kind of projects. So we're seeing a lot of positives on the demand side on on the commodity prices right now, but we're also waiting to kind of see uh, what some of these tax proposals from the Biden administration will include. What are the details? They certainly could impact uh, agriculture. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And, you know, as we, we continue to wait to see where the the tax situation does go. I think a lot of producers probably are a little bit leery right now on that. Uh, you know, there's there's every sign that uh, ag is really starting to to get some benefits. You know, with the commodity prices and so on. But you're right. Any any major change in the tax system could definitely um, definitely put a wet blanket on some of that. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we'll know some more, more of those details here pretty soon. Yeah, I think if a lot of farmers since the election they have been concerned about what might happen with taxes and regulation and i I think we're going to be finding out soon on both absolutely yeah i say i think you know uh we did hear from michael regan here recently on on the regulation side when it comes to the lotus issues that we talked a lot Mm -hmm. about and uh it doesn't it doesn't appear that we're going back to the lotus of 2015 but uh you know really that that's still an open-ended question we we just don't know where epa is going on a lot of on a lot of fronts Yep. 
Michael Regan has said some positive things. I think agriculture has been heartened by, but uh, he's also yeah. taken just kind of a wait-and-see approach on a lot of things. We're still waiting for some big decisions out of EPA as well. All right, Todd, thanks a lot. Good right. to talk with you. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. Take care. Todd Neely, DTN reporter. Well, up next, we're going to talk infrastructure with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Not only where does the infrastructure bill stand and what's in it that would really be uh, beneficial to rural America, uh, but we want to talk about a proposed rail merger. Would that be good for agriculture or not? A lot of times uh, we're, we're kind of skeptical about mergers and reducing competition. What are his thoughts on this big rail merger proposal? That's next, coming up right here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer. Chill. Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. 
The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Please separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we're going to talk infrastructure with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Before we take a look, uh, another look at the transport, uh, the uh, infrastructure bill that's been proposed, I want to talk about a proposed rail merger we heard about recently, Canadian National Railways bid to acquire Kansas City Southern Railway. Mike, thanks for joining us. When I first saw that, and I guess my reaction, as many have, anytime you hear about a, a possible merger, uh, my first thought was uh, less competition that, you know, seems to be, oftentimes carry a negative uh, tone with it, but we don't know yet. Uh, what can you tell us about this and what the impact would be if it goes through? Well, it's it's very dynamic environment right now with the, the freight rail industry because you've got the, the two uh, competitors competing Canadian-based railroads that have significant trackage in the United States, the Canadian Pacific, and then also the Canadian National, both uh, attempting to acquire the Kansas City Southern. And, you know, the Canadian Pacific and Canadian National, they're, you know, very fierce competitors. Uh, There's obviously a lot of tension between the two railroads. And and the Canadian Pacific um, announced uh, an intended acquisition in the third week of March. And both the boards of the Canadian Pacific and the Kansas City Southern, they both unanimously approved moving forward with that. And then just last week, the Canadian National uh, offered an unsolicited bid to acquire uh, Kansas City Southern. So um, that's what the where the current status is. Uh, both uh, proposed mergers or acquisitions would have to be approved by the U.S. Surface Transportation Board. Um, but I would say that there are more red flags that are being raised about the Canadian national proposal than the Canadian Pacific. I mean, whenever, as you said, whenever you have a proposed consolidation within the rail industry, I think it's entirely appropriate to have some concern and trepidation about that. I would say the Canadian national proposal is even raising more alarm bells and and red flags because Canadian national is, is so much larger than Canadian Pacific, and and what you would do is if you allowed those two railroads to merge, Kansas City Southern and Canadian National, you're creating all of a sudden the third largest railroad in the United States, whereas if you had Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern merge, it would still be the the smallest of what are called the class one railroads. So, yeah, there's a lot of you know things to to that remain to be seen. A lot of details that are required, but um, and we're going to continue to monitor them. But again, I would say that there there is more concern that we're hearing about the Canadian national proposal. What's the timeline on this? Yeah, right now, uh, the Kansas City Southern Board, um, they have a fiduciary obligation to review and consider the, pr- the proposal from Canadian National, which was just submitted last week. And so they're in the process of reviewing that. The, the overall uh, timeline for approval or, or at least a, a, 
a verdict being rendered by the U.S. Surface Transportation Board is about a 16-month process. So this is something that's going to be with us well into uh, 2022 uh, before a final decisions being made. But both railroads are trying to appeal to their their customers and to the broader you know community, trying to you know, argue why their pro their proposal is superior to the the others. So again, this is something that we're going to continue to monitor for for the foreseeable future. We're talking with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Mike, what's the latest on the West Coast port backup? Well, the entire supply chain is really, there's a real profound supply-demand imbalance right now with you know, certainly things like containerized uh, shipping, access to those containers, but you know, the, it really extends from the manufacturing facilities in China uh, to congestion at ports, um, it's most pronounced at the on the West Coast with Los Angeles and Long Beach. But you're hearing just significant numbers of of volume of freight handled on the East Coast as well, and you're just seeing these double digit increases in freight handled this year compared to last year, and it's something that's quite unique. And you know, really, the the the, the number one culprit for all of this is this profound shift of, of spending by not only the American consumer, but consumers around the world from services into goods. Uh, people are obviously not spending as much on things like cruises and movies and, and dining, uh, you know, dining at restaurants. They've shifted so much more of their spending into goods, and so that has had a real profound impact on manufacturing, but also on the supply chain that serves it. So this is something that's that uh, is affecting agriculture, uh, particularly those those companies that ship uh, soybeans or grain via containers, these you know forty or twenty foot steel boxes. Um, but it's impacting all industries, um, you know, throughout the throughout the economy. So this is something that's going to be with us easily throughout uh, the course of 2021. So into the busy fall season, right? So that that could really, could it tie up the movement of grain when, when we're in the harvest time? Yeah, I mean, if, you know, fortunately, for at least for soybeans, you know, most of our exports occur via bulk. So these large bulk vessels where you just put the soybeans in the cargo hold and you have about, you know, five to seven hatches. Uh, that you put, you know, 200, 300,000 bushels of soybeans per hatch or cargo hold. So this is mainly affecting containerized shipping, which is about, you know, 7% of what we export. But it is certainly a, a, a profound, um, you know, problem for some of these exporters of that that use containers for their exports. But, you know, certainly for the other agricultural groups, you know, fresh fruits, chilled meats, um, lots of these uh, agricultural products that rely almost exclusively on containers, it's certainly having an impact on them as well. So, again, it's, it's, it's a real challenge, and, it, and there's not a real easy solution to it. As we wait to see what happens with the infrastructure proposal, where are we on our rivers as far as locks and dams? Any uh, major projects underway? You know that's something that we're we're continuing to to promote. Um, you know we're hopeful that with this new you know infrastructure proposal from the president, but then there was a as of late a, a counter offer from Senate Republicans um, that would be more almost ex more exclusively on 
I guess what I would call traditional infrastructure, you know, transportation infrastructure, and also things like the electrical grid and, and water treatment and those kind of things, a $568 billion proposal. We're hopeful that um, what eventually emerges from this discussion will include uh, improvements to our inland waterway system. That's clearly a big uh, you know, you know, point of emphasis for us. And so that's something that we're, we're clearly going to be advocating for, along with certainly roads and bridges and the other Link, the other key links in our supply chain, we want to make sure that's included in whatever emerges from these negotiations. Yeah, we'll see if uh, the more targeted bill towards infrastructure, uh, if it can get through or not, or where we wind up with that. But in the meantime, is it just kind of a, a maintenance right now on our locks and dams, or are there any uh, big improvements underway right now? Yeah, a lot of it is is, is maintenance. Um, you know, there's there's some handful of those more in the eastern part of the United States that are finally nearing completion. But one of our big uh, you know disappointments that didn't happen uh, for this year was a a new start, a new construction start on the Upper Mississippi River. That's something that agriculture has been pining for for years, and we thought that there was a good chance of getting one of those new starts. Uh, for 2021 that did not happen and so what our real energy m much of our energy related to the inland waterway system is really trying to be focused on making sure we get one of those new construction starts on the upper mississippi river for 2022 a little different to this spring we haven't had the flooding we've had in past years yeah, and that's been a that's been a welcome bit of news. Um, so it, it's been nothing really significant as far as you know major impediments on the inland waterway system. So you know traffic is is able to proceed. So that's certainly good news and welcome news. And you know obviously this is not our big export window for soybeans. Um, that usually happens in the fall. Um, but you know we're still moving a lot of product and you know export our export program is really strong right now so making sure that we've got all of our modes of transportation operating at at full or near capacity and capability that's something that's really important so we're happy to see that you know barge transportation is 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 moving pretty effectively right now yep because we are doing a lot of business we're going to talk about that next in the markets all right mike thanks a lot good to talk with you thank you mike good to be with you Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. And these markets are going wild indeed. And how much longer, how much higher can they go? We'll talk about that with Todd Holtman, DTN's lead analyst. We'll get his thoughts on these markets and where we're headed. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. After limit higher futures yesterday in corn, we are seeing mixed to lower futures this morning. Most traders are focused on the dry weather concerns becoming more important in Brazil, more daily export sales, and the overall bullish marketplace. On the Board of Trade, May corn trading seven and a half cent higher at 6.88. The July contract down four cents at 6.53 and three quarters. The December contract down seven and three quarters. At 560 and a fraction. For soybeans, the July contract down three cents at 1536. The November contract down four and three quarters at 1357 and a half cent. For wheats, Chicago wheat July trading two and a half cent higher at 742. Kansas City wheat July up four and a fraction at 712 and a fraction. Minneapolis spring wheat July down a half a cent at 749. The May contract down a fraction at 741 and a half cent. Cattle and hog futures set a positive day Monday with the potential of further price increases Tuesday. However, feedlots will be anxious to move cattle this week and may take a lower price. Grain prices continue to skyrocket and could put pressure on the market. Looking at live cattle on the Board of Trade, the August contract trading 80 cents higher at 118.75, the June contract up 85 at 117.10. For feeder cattle, the August contract $1.37 higher at 151.67, the September contract up $1.55 at 153.85. For lean hogs, the June contract down 55 at 106.30, the July contract down 60 cents at 105.07. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 41 points, the Nasdaq Composite down 60, the S&P 500 down 7, crude oil in New York, the June contract up 62 cents at 62.53 per barrel, the U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
All right, let's talk markets with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Todd, are you surprised that prices have gone this high this early in the year? I mean, it's one thing if it's summer and it's hot and dry and there are real concerns about the uh, the crop, but here we are at the end of April and seeing these kind of prices. Uh, yes, absolutely, no doubt. I'm surprised uh, by this. Not, you know, I think we all knew that we were in a very bullish market environment. We're coming off a year that was unlike any other year in 2020. Uh, and the demand that we've seen from China this time or in the past several months has just been uh, phenomenal. But even given all that, April is usually typically a pretty quiet month. It's usually a good time for buying put options that are normally cheap because the market's so quiet. And uh, that's not what we have here. Uh, we're, we're still about uh, a month or so out from when seasonal highs are typically expected for corn. And uh, so to have this kind of demand surge, yeah, it's, it's unprecedented. And, and I think it's been a big shock to the market. We're seeing and hearing about some East Coast buying of South American corn and soybeans. Uh, this is not new. It happens uh, many years, but is it unusual to happen this early? Uh, yes, I think it is, and I think it's related to concerns about what supplies are going to be like this summer. Uh, obviously, nobody expects that situation to get better here in the U.S. As we work through summer, we also have uh, weather uncertainty of kind of dry forecasts when we look into the early summer months and even out into August. Now, long-term forecasts like that are always hard to depend on, but that's that's the early bias. So I think that prompts uh, a lot of that early buy-in. And uh, I have to say, um, that with the corn basis as tight as it's been and the future spreads that we've seen uh, as bullish looking on corn and beans as they have, I think the market has long held a view that supplies are even tighter than USDA is currently estimating. So I, I think that all goes hand in hand with what you're seeing in that buying. Well, the old saying, the cure for high prices is high prices, and the cure for low prices is low prices. It seemed like uh, it took a long time for that to really kick in on the low prices. They stayed low, it seemed like, for a long time. <laughs> what about on the high side? I mean, are we getting to a point where this starts kind of discouraging demand? Uh, yeah, definitely. And that's the one uh, beef that I have with that saying. It actually makes me cringe when people say that because when you're on the low end of that, you know that that low prices cures. Low prices can take many, many months and sometimes years. So it's a, it's a painful process that the market can go through to, to balance out that situation again. On the higher end, it usually comes quickly, but it's usually correlated to like a, a, a drought. Maybe, you know, that would just hit us for one season, but then we anticipate a bigger crop the next year. This is a totally different situation. This is a, this is a market that I think has more fear in it as far as how high prices could possibly go. Uh, more fear for end users, of course. And it's because uh, so much of it is demand-led, and there's so much we don't know about China. And then now we're adding onto it this uh, weather factor of uncertainty, both in Brazil and then, I think, as we move forward in the U.S. this summer. We're talking with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Todd, it also seems unusual to have commodities across the board uh, see the prices they're seeing right now. I mean, you, I mean, you might get strength in one 
commodity or the other, but to see it across the board, that, that doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, and that's a whole other dimension that's really, I think, related to the rebound from last year's coronavirus pandemic. And, of course, uh, we're still struggling with uh, coronavirus, but uh, there's no doubt that the world economy in general is picking up. We have to set India to the side on that. They're, they're struck, struggling especially hard right now. But uh, a lot of that economic rebound has fueled higher oil prices, copper prices, uh, uh, lots of things in addition to uh, our grain sector. And uh, so it, it just all adds another bullish dimension to this uh, whole situation we're in and makes it very, very unique for the times we're in. What is your sense of where we are as far as on-farm storage? I mean, are farmers holding on to this grain or are they selling it into this, these high prices? Where are we on that? You know, I, I know... I hear people talk about the threat of, uh, of farmer selling if we get to a certain price, and you know, I mean, six dollars, seven dollars, whatever have you, on corn. And I understand there's some of that out there, but honestly, I don't think it's a big amount uh, for the on-farm storage. And uh, so it's it, it's just not like past years where maybe we had a one and a half billion bushel or two billion bushel carry. And you knew that the, the corn was out there in the bins and they were just waiting for the right price before they started planting. I don't think it's that kind of situation this time around. I, I just don't think the supplies are nearly as uh, potentially bearish uh, this time around as what we normally see. And I just don't think farmer selling is as big of a threat for that reason. So how do they approach marketing? I mean, on the one hand, you say, well, you could... You could take these prices right now, and, and they're better than anything they would have expected not that long ago. But on the other hand, when it keeps going up, you, you don't want to sell too soon. So uh, always a tough decision. Yeah, psychologically, it is uh, incredibly difficult. Maybe I could even say impossible here. And, you know, when we engage our logical brains and we look at all the factors that are feeding into the higher prices, they're all still in play. And uh, I think especially right now, the dry forecast for Brazil is having a, a, a big emphasis in what's happening with the demand surge uh, for corn. So no matter what angle we look at from logically, everything stays bullish. And of course, the trend is up. Prices have been going straight up this month. Uh, but you know at some point, there's going to be a high point that's reached uh, where perhaps the demand needs are met perhaps uh, the commercials finally secure the supplies they need to get themselves through summer uh, or whatever it is. And even today, you know, we had limit up corn this earlier this morning and uh, now we're trading down from that. We got up to 720 and a half for goodness sakes on that May corn contract. It, there's there's going to be some nerves up here. There's a little bit of altitude sickness, uh, I think maybe. And, and uh, there's not a lot to tip you off as to when you're actually at the high. But uh, I, I always say, you know, it, I think it comes down to your farm. you got to know what's a good price for you and your farm. And if you can take advantage of that, it's time to do it, even if prices have a chance to go higher, because uh, we get caught up in these uh, spiraling moves. And uh, it, it's very hard not to just sit back and watch the thing. And planters are rolling again, but we still really don't have a, a you know a firm handle on acres, do we? No, 
And uh, I, I continue to think we're going to see about 93 million on corn and 90 million on soybeans. Um, uh, and and uh, I just have to put those March estimates to the side. They they just don't <laughs> make make sense to me in this type of situation with the type of incentive uh, that we're seeing to get crops in the ground this year. So I, I think we have to somewhat expect that uh, when the June 30th report comes around, we're going to see a little higher numbers. Uh, than what we saw in those March estimates. Yeah, so we got a long ways to wait to hear what USDA says uh, about it. Uh, in the meantime, as we as we watch these markets, um, I mentioned across the board. I mean, what we've seen with sorghum and with wheat. Uh, what do you see with those markets moving forward? Well, sorghum's having a fantastic year, and uh, again, uh, it's uh, not only is it caught up in the bullish fever of grains in general, but in the case of China, uh, the understanding is that China's looking for uh, any way, basically, they can to try to get some substitute for corn because uh, they're so short and needing to buy corn and probably will be again in the new season. So uh, things like sorghum and barley are probably one of the first two feeds that uh, come to mind, perhaps, in the ration mix. Wheat uh, thrown in there also. But uh, I, I think when it all comes down to it, they're still going to need a lot of corn. It, it's it's going to be hard to replace corn with uh, much of anything else. Of course, on the livestock side, on the buying side, tough times uh, looking at those rising feed costs. Very tough times. And, and of course, the, the hog guys are getting some help because they've had in, an incredible rally in prices. But not our cash cattle markets. That continues to be a very tough situation. Uh, and I think it's made worse because you can see those box beef prices right in front of you just at terrific high levels. And uh, you know that on the retail side of the market, uh, the beef price is doing very well, but it's just not translating down to the producer. And that's very frustrating uh, for a lot of reasons. So uh, hang on, right? It's kind of white knuckles time here with the markets these days. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, I, I think, you know, I, I've always thought predicting or, or guessing when we're at low points in the market is much easier than trying to predict the highs. Uh, it can become an emotional market. We've got all kinds of weather uncertainty out there. And, of course, the uncertainty of China and what they're going to do. So it, it's a very difficult market to outguess but some terrific opportunities uh, for producers if you can take advantage of them. For sure. All right, Todd, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Todd Holtman, DTN's lead analyst in these wild markets. All right. Uh, we continue our look at how planting is going. Next, we're going to go to the Boot Heel of Missouri, Dexter, Missouri. We'll check in with Charlie Cruz, see where they're at with their planting. That's next here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block, 
Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. And this week, we're discussing the latest global market updates with Joe Lardy, market research analyst for CHS. We've had plenty of challenges for our planting season. They've had plenty of challenges in Brazil with their safrina corn crop. It's been very dry. Brazil is exceptionally dry. And with the Brazilian corn crop, two to four weeks behind normal, an early or even a normal end to the rainy season could substantially hurt production down there. And most analysts have already dropped their estimates by a few million tons, but there is starting to, seems like every day that goes by, there's more and more talk about production reductions. And we could be looking at a, a production cut of 10 million tons or more. Well, let's look at the demand side of the picture. What trends are you seeing there? The terrible weather that uh, I just mentioned in Brazil has raised justifiable concerns, and that's opening up additional demand pulls out of the U.S. for our exports. And I think when we talk about demand, and you know, I've kind of painted a bullish picture, you know, demand being really spicy. 
I think we need to be a little bit cautious and we can't grow our bullish horns so big that I can't walk through the door. And I think we need to look out for the things that could temper demand. China issued some new guidelines that recommended to cut corn and soybean meal usage in their hog and poultry feed. And we know that China is short corn as evidenced by the huge purchases they have on with the US. But if they push out these government mandated big reductions to future feed rations, that could certainly temper U.S. exports in the future, and that's something that we're going to have to watch pretty closely. Yeah, a lot to keep track of, a lot of things impacting the markets, and should be an interesting year. That's Joe Lardy, Market Research Analyst at CHS. Thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS at cooperativeownership.com. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, for our planting update today, we go to the boot heel of Missouri where they grow a variety of crops and usually get off to a pretty early start but been a little uh, later than uh, normal for them this year let's check in with charlie cruz in dexter missouri hi charlie how are you well maybe we lost hey, charlie well, yeah there oh, you are I'm, yeah i'm fine how are you doing Doing good. Now, when I checked with you a couple of weeks ago, I thought you would be done with corn planting, and you hadn't hardly gotten started yet, uh, so that's unusual for you. It really is. Uh, in fact, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, I told you that uh, I'd taken a trip, Pam and I'd made a trip to Memphis, and I only saw one tractor in the field uh, between where we live and Memphis. Easter weekend, things opened up, Mike, and... Uh, I mean, people planted like crazy. We pretty much got all the corn planted now. A little bit later than normal, but not bad, and a lot of corn's up and looks really pretty. We had a couple of frosts, pretty heavy frosts last week, a couple of nights, but uh, I don't think enough temperature only got down to 31 one night and 33 the next. I don't think it's done any harm. A lot of soybeans planted, some up, still a lot of soybeans to plant. Some rice has been planted. Um we're supposed to have rain tonight and tomorrow, and after that, uh, our temperatures have really gotten up pretty good. We're in the 70s now, and uh, I think there'll be a lot of cotton planted uh, after this rainy spell tonight and tomorrow. So we're catching up pretty quick. Well, as I mentioned, you have such a variety of crops there in in the boot heel, and, and you're right. Uh, even though you didn't get started as quickly as you would have liked, it, it didn't take long for you to get it pretty well done. It's amazing, you know, Mike, and I know you and everybody in your audience uh, sees the same thing that we see down here. Uh, with the equipment we have today, uh, it is amazing how many acres can be planted in such a short period of time. And uh, so crops go in in a hurry, and uh, right now in the boot heel, we're looking pretty good. So there's this big question where we're going to wind up on acres uh, everyone thinks there'll certainly be more corn and bean acres than uh, the USDA predicted back at the end of March. What about in your area? Have you seen much uh, acreage switching going on? You know, Mike, maybe just a little bit of an edge 
towards corn over soybeans, but not a lot. And uh, cotton has come back in such a big way down here. Um, I think cotton acres will be up a little bit over last year. Last year we had really late planting, and most people got their cotton planted, but I think last year there would have been a few more acres of cotton planted, you know, if we'd have had time to get it in. So I think we may see a little bit more cotton acreage and just a slightly uh, bit more corn. Uh, rice, uh, probably about the same, maybe a little bit more, but uh, I don't see a whole lot of significant acreage changes for this year. So those, if there is an increase in cotton acres in your area, that would take away from bean acres? I think so. Uh, you know, people I talk to, if, if they, uh, you know, it, it could change, of course, but, uh, of course, corn's already planted and in the ground for the most part. But I, I think there might be a little bit of a shift away from soybeans. Um, and, of course, who knows with the last, uh, 10 days, two weeks, and we've seen what soybean prices have done. That might change as well. I was going to say, it's been a while probably since you remember harvesting in a market rally and then planting the next spring in a harvest rally. <laughs> it certainly has. It's a good feeling, but uh, you're right. It's been a long, long time. Um, you know, I think the, the last really good crop prices we had was what, 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere along in there. Um, and uh, so it really, you know, it feels good for everybody to be putting in a crop with prices like this, and uh, it just changes your whole outlook and your whole attitude. What's your moisture situation there? I know I know you are you're irrigated on your farm, uh, but are you dry here early on or not? No, actually we're not. Mike, we've been pretty wet all spring with some open windows to plant. We had uh, probably an inch and a half uh, of rain over the weekend in most areas in the Boot Hill, and the ground is still wet. Uh, there may be a few places in really sandy ground where people can get in the field today, but uh, not a lot of activity. And then we're supposed to get rain moving in tonight and rain all day tomorrow. So... Our moisture is very, very adequate at this point, and uh, of course, with our temperatures warming up now, uh, it won't take as long to get back into the field after rains as it has the last uh, several weeks. Of course, not only are commodity prices going up, but input costs have gone up too, haven't they? Oh, big time, and you know, that's the other side of the coin, so to speak, Mike, and uh, you know, you see input costs going up, and and the other thing, and I think that's pretty well true all over, but with the rapid pace of planting, sometimes it really stretches the ability to get inputs where they need to be at the right time. Um, but uh, input costs have gone up pretty dramatically, and uh, I think around here a lot of people don't think that's going to change anytime in the near future. So when do you think you'll wrap up bean planting in your area? I think... Uh, you know, cotton people down here, Mike, have really gone to plant. A lot of them plant late group threes, which is very hmm. unusual. Uh, was a few years ago. It was kind of unusual several years ago to even plant group four soybeans, but now group four is probably the most popular maturity. Um, I think most soybean plantings will wrap up in the next uh, 
week to 10 days. And then, of course, down here, we don't have near the acreage of wheat that we used to have, but we double crop all of our wheat acres into soybeans in uh, June. So a lot of things going on right now. For sure. Good to talk with you, Charlie. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you. All right, take care. Charlie Cruz, who farms in the, the boot heel of Missouri. That wraps it up for today. Be sure to join us again tomorrow right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.